What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Range Extender Podcast. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have Nico with us today, but we are pretty much in the dog days of the off season. Uh, as we're pre- rolling into August, this is pretty much the time where there's not really that much going on in the NBA. And not only that, but a bunch of media outlets are going to try their best to find headlines. And so, you know, I was just looking on the internet, some various headlines that the league uh, uh, media guys have been pushing. And, you know, some of them are pretty funny. seems a lot of them are just like attention grabs, headlines, whatever, just anybody scrapping towards some sort of article that they can write at this point just to get clicks, whatever. And so uh, I just thought that I would jump on for a little bit just to talk about some of those headlines. So the first one that we have is uh, a potential trade leaked by both Shams and Woj. And to be honest, I don't really know how realistic this trade is. You know, I don't really know if this trade's even going to see the light of day whatsoever. But it seems to me like, um, you know, one of the parties involved is trying to muster up some extra trade value for one of their players. And that team would be the Brooklyn Nets. Obviously, Kevin Durant requested a trade at the start of free agency, and he is yet to be traded, uh, obviously. And so, um, in my opinion, best case scenario for the Nets would be to keep him, but I'm, I'm not clued into the front office. I don't really know exactly what the conversations are or what's going on with all that. So, you know, it seems to me at least that it's pretty clear that the Nets are still trying their best to trade him, um, even though Kyrie Irving said he wanted to stay. So, I, I like, I would think best-case scenario for them would be to keep him because they're not going to get a player of his value back. Um, me and Nico were talking about this on the other show, about how there's a lot of players who are worth more to the team themselves than uh, than they are to other teams. And, you know, we were also just talking about how hard it is to really pinpoint trade value. And we'll get into that in the discussion over this trade itself because it's really hard to determine what a player's exact value is for a trade because of the fact that different trade, uh, different teams are at different stages in their development and different teams are willing or unwilling to offer specific things for these guys. So Durant, I mean, to the Magic, Kevin Durant is worth a lot less than he would be to the Suns and so on but moving on to the actual package proposed um so apparently the big hang-up for brad stevens and his squad the celtics is that um at the current trade offer he was willing to part ways with Jalen brown Derek white and an unprotected first in exchange for durant where the nets would much rather take Jalen brown marcus smart the reigning defensive player of the year and picks at that same extent and so if I'm Brad Stevens, to be honest, I'm not making this deal, at least with Durant, because I think having Jalen Brown, you just made the finals finally after, you know, running back with Tatum and Brown for so many years. And so I think that they finally made the finals was a big step. I like what they're building here with Robert Williams. Of course, Kevin Durant is one of the best players in the game still. But at this point, he's 34. And even though his game ages pretty well, you would think, um, his body hasn't. He hasn't played and been playing a lot of games in these past few years recently. 
And after his Achilles, you know, his health just hasn't been the same. And so, uh, I mean, Durant, yeah, he played after missing that full season with his Achilles injury. He played 35 games and then he played 55 games afterwards, which is not a lot like at all. It's about half the season uh, for each of the ones. And so, you know, I, I just don't know how how valuable he's going to be for this team, especially um, since the Celtics have such a potentially large window, having two stars who are 25 and 24 in Tatum and Brown. And aside from that, I mean, I think for the Celtics, they really have to discuss this and consider, do they care more about maximizing their window or elongating it? And so I would say there's two ways that they could go about this. You know, trading for Durant would maximize their window in the short term and potentially give them a higher chance of making a run at the championship. Or if they keep Brown, they have a longer time and more rolls of the dice to actually win the championship. It's like, um, you know, it's like if you have a dice and would you rather have three rolls to roll an even number or would you rather have five rolls to roll a one or a two? You know what I mean? So I think what the Celtics are going to be talking about and what they're going to be considering, assuming this trade, uh, this trade negotiations are real is whether or not they want the window to be as long as possible and they like what they have and they think what they have does have a chance to win a championship given the amount of years, or do they want to marginally increase their odds of winning a championship at a shorter amount of time? And so, I mean, it's like obviously a really difficult thing to discuss I think it's a really tough call. My opinion, I would keep Jalen Brown just because he is younger and because you do have the continuity. You already know that it works. Me and Nika were talking about this as well, like the the overvaluing of the unknown in the NBA with rookies having such high trade value because they've never actually been on an NBA floor. But I personally think that could be a detriment in most cases. Not most, but, you know, a, a decent amount. And so I think with Durant coming in that locker room, if you were to make a trade for him, you have no idea how he's going to fit with the other guys. You have no idea what the encore fit's going to look like. Obviously, you can think about it, and, you know, you can run as many simulations as you want, and, you know, it, the Celtics will be just fine if they have Kevin Durant. I'm not saying they're going to necessarily get, you know, extremely worse. But I, I do think personalities matter a lot in locker rooms, and this team seems definitely hungry in that they want to continue – to run it back, you know, it seems like they want to come back with a vengeance. Um, and then also I think these these trade uh, talks could be damaging to Jalen Brown. He is coming up on free agency in two years from now. And so, you know, him being involved in so many trade conversations throughout the years, whether that be for Bradley Beal, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, and now, I mean, he was in there for James Harden even, and now Kevin Durant. You know, he tweeted out something after they said that he was involved in the trade talks, but continually, continually putting him in the middle of this uh, can't really be a benefit for him in his place on this team. You know, him and Tatum are both very committed to this, and it's pretty unfortunate that he's always in the middle of the trade rumors. I, I mean, I think he's much better than a one-time All-Star through his first six years, which he uh, has been. And, you know, I definitely think he has all NBA upside, assuming the Celtics win a lot of games this year. 
and he gets better every year as well. He's an intelligent player, hard worker, knows what it takes to win, especially now at this point, having gone to game six of the finals. And so, I I mean, maybe it's just because I appreciate natural champions, teams that organically build, um, you know, organically build a winner. But, you know, I just, I just don't see this trade working out, at least for this year. The East is already really tight. Um, with the 76ers coming back stronger, with the Bucks coming back stronger, having Chris Middleton for the playoffs, and then the Heat are always going to be in the mix as well. You know, the Raptors are on the rise, and you never know who's coming up around the corner. So I don't really know if this is the time to really go all in. I think this would be the time to wait and see what happens. And, you know, I I really don't think there's any harm in the Celtics – waiting out at least a part of the regular season until the trade deadline to decide whether or not they want to make this trade, you know, assuming it still is on the table, of course. But, um, and you know, especially for the Nets, I think their best case scenario is playing Kevin Durant, having his trade value go up and up because teams don't make their big swings in the offseason. You know, rosters never fully complete until after the buyout market and the contract extension deadline anyways. And so I think if you are the Celtics, this is one of those wait-and-see things for you. Now, in terms of what the ideal package would be for Durant, obviously if the Nets, you still want to compete um, because you don't own your own picks. So you would want Marcus Smart in return. But if the Celtics could add more picks and swap out Marcus Smart for Derek White, that would probably be ideal. Now, Marcus Smart was not on that top 64 trade value list that I did discuss with Nico, but if I'm the Celtics, Marcus Smart is worth keeping in exchange for three of my own draft picks in this Kevin Durant trade. But, you know, would other teams be willing to trade three first-round picks for Marcus Smart? Probably not. But the Celtics, I bet, would trade three first-round picks just to even keep him in the first place. So that's why I really think trade value is something that's so subjective, and it's why it's hard to rank. But you know, if I am the Celtics, I think an ideal package would be Brown and Derek White. And then you could have, I mean, like, how would you guard Tatum and Durant? Uh, you know, two of the best isolation scorers in the NBA, two of the best wing scorers in the NBA right now. You know, obviously, in a vacuum, it would seem like an amazing team that would be extremely difficult to stop. But at the same time, you know, you can't help but wonder how will Kevin Durant mesh with this team? You know, it's a lot of unselfish guys, a lot of team first guys. And judging by what we've seen from Kevin Durant now, you know, it doesn't entirely seem like he has that team first motivation. So whether or not he would even want to play on the Celtics is a big question that I'm sure Brad Stevens and his staff are going to have to (laughs) not only investigate, but discuss and consider. So, you know, I don't really think the Nets are ever going to trade Kevin Durant at this point anyways. I just don't think the value uh, that they will get back is there. And I think Kevin Durant does care about his legacy. And so I, like, for some for some reason, you know, I just kind of have a hunch and a gut feeling that he won't actually end up getting traded and that him and Kyrie will play out this year and then move from there. So moving on from that, I think the second headline that I saw – uh, you know, this one it was really just for me, it's kind of struck me as like a attention grab. Just we have literally nothing to talk about type of uh, type of headline. 
that I just think is so funny that ESPN, like ESPN, whoever just want something to talk about, but apparently Draymond Green wants a max contract when his uh, when his deal's up. I think it would be at the end of this upcoming season. Um, you know, I don't really think this is news. Of course, he's going to want a max contract. You know, he just had an all. He just made an all star team. He just won the championship. He wants his money. I don't really know why that's all that surprising. But at the same time, apparently sources say that if he doesn't get this contract, he will look elsewhere, which is something that I just do not believe at all. I think Draymond Green, you know, is a very media savvy guy. You know, he's intelligent around the NBA. He's in these circles, you know, with now joining the media as well as being on one of the most successful teams, which means, you know, he spends a lot of time around the commissioner. He knows what his value is as a player, as a figure to this team as well. And so I think he understands that he can use this headline as leverage because, uh, you know, being a full career one team guy is really important for not only the team, but your legacy. You know, you think of Dwayne Wade in Chicago, Tony Parker in Charlotte, Michael Jordan with the Wizards. You know, uh, you think of those examples of, you know, Paul Pierce's late career with the Clippers and the Wizards. You just think of examples like that as not only sad, but just unfortunate that when a player, a star Hall of Famer player regresses, they have to go to another team, that uh, one that's different than they spent their whole career with. And, you know, it just kind of sucks to see stuff like that happen. And I don't think Draymond Green wants it to happen. So I really think this is just him saying, well, you know, let me at least make some headlines for my own show that I can talk about, uh, make some news in August because there's just uh, like not that much NBA stuff that happens in August. And let me try and see if I can uh, create some leverage for myself here to get as much money as possible. I think even if the Warriors throw him less money, he's going to take it anyways, just because he does understand that if he finishes out his career with the Warriors, it would be, you know, a great story, a great kind of untainted legacy for him, Curry, and Clay Thompson. And, you know, this is really just like an example of something I would believe to be a money grab from him, just trying to get whatever he can. And so, yeah, I just don't think this is happening. I think if Draymond Green does go to another team, I can't imagine what team would offer him a lot of money or what team even has the chance to offer him a lot of money. You know, what he does with the Warriors is so tailor-made to that team to where I just don't see another team throwing as much money at him. And, you know, I mean, along the same vein of what we've been talking about in terms of, in terms of value, Draymond Green is definitely worth much more to the Warriors than he is to another team. I, I think that's fairly obvious given how he pairs with Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson, what his chemistry is with those guys at this point and his specific type of play style. You know, I just, I like, I can't imagine where he would fit in with another team. Uh, I mean, of course, like he's played his entire nearly, I mean, he just finished his 10th year with the Warriors and, you know, 10 years with this team, four championships. Like I just don't, I just can't envision him with another team, and I don't think other teams can envision his role with them either, uh, at least a maximum contract role. And with the Warriors, who have his bird rights, are able to go over the salary cap to re-sign him, just like they are with Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, 
Clay Thompson, all these guys that they have the rights to, you know, it's they they are definitely going to be willing to offer him more money than other teams. So I don't in, I don't really know where this is coming from. And I, I he'll he'll definitely return to the Warriors, whether or not it's on a max contract, will is is yet to be seen. But uh, you know he's one hundred percent going to return. I don't really think that's a question, and I think the dollar amount obviously is though. But you know, in my opinion, it's just not happening. So moving on to the next headline, honestly, this this doesn't seem to me as much of a a headline grab than the Draymond Green thing, but I still think. It, it is just someone uh, on the internet wanting something to talk about. But I do think it's interesting. In Zion Williamson's new contract extension, there is a clause that he may not be entitled to some of the money guaranteed to him if his weight and if his body fat percentage add up to a certain maximum amount. And that maximum amount would be 295 So... Currently, Zion is listed at 285 pounds, so I don't know if he would even meet the criteria to qualify at this point, but, you know, jokes aside, Zion Williamson has had weight problems for his entire career, and before he even came into uh, the league and played for the Pelicans, I have always kind of been worried about his weight, you know, especially with injury risk, uh, someone that explosive who puts that much pressure on his knees, let alone at uh, as the second heaviest player in the NBA behind seven foot like four, seven foot five, Boban Marjanovic, it's definitely dangerous, you know, to be that heavy, that dense, and that athletic, to just put so much pressure on your knees when you jump, so much force. Uh, I mean, we saw it. he tore his meniscus. You know what I mean? Like, this is very dangerous for him, and so putting this in his contract is definitely smart for the team. And I think it's smart for him as well. This is a guy that is already missing time, missing a lot of time due to injuries and uh, knee injuries for that matter. He can't quite stay healthy. You know, it's unfortunate, but it's true. When he is out there, he's, I mean, he's fantastic. One of the most efficient scorers in the NBA and one of the most impossible to guard players as well. But, you know, you know, the best, uh, the best ability is availability as people say, and I think it's definitely true with him. So I think putting this in the contract is definitely beneficial for him. Hopefully it'll be an extra motivator for Zion to think about what he's doing with his body, think about maybe slimming down, you know, watching his diet. Because, I mean, I I, I don't know if the pictures, the angles are all true, but he did look very, like, quite overweight, overweight in that Mountain Dew commercial in some of the pictures I've seen, you know, this is a guy that I'm hoping takes his job and his position with the Pelicans seriously. Um, you know, he's extremely talented. And if he's healthy, he can really propel this Pelicans team to places they have not been before, not even with Anthony Davis. Uh, you know, I, I think David Griffin has done a pretty solid job of putting a nice team around Zion uh, for now that when he comes back, he will be able to bring them to unseen heights. They went on pretty solid stretch when they traded for CJ McCollum at the deadline. Of course, they made some noise in the playoffs, um, knocking off the Clippers to make it into the playoffs from the play-in, and then taking two games off the Phoenix Suns in that series, which I really thought they were going to just get steamrolled and swept in. You know, this Pelicans team has shown a lot of heart and a lot of focus, 
And so adding one of the most talented players of this upcoming generation can only help them. And so, you know, here's hoping that Zion stays healthy, stays motivated. And I, I just don't really see a problem with this body fat percentage thing. So I definitely think it's beneficial. Moving on to the next headline, this one, this one really just confused me. I was looking through some news articles and I saw one that said, um, why is this NBA veteran still a free agent? And, you know, I would, I, I think that we're almost done with NBA free agency. There's a lot of guys that are free agents apart from maybe Colin Sexton that I sit there and say, well, you know, I kind of know why they're not a free agent or why they are still a free agent and why they're not on a team. But then, so, you know, I was reading the article, getting into it, trying to figure out who this player was. And then uh, the question was quickly answered for me. You know, the, the player was Greg Monroe. This guy, um, you know, was a pretty excellent player not too long ago, but I would say he was just a product of the evolution of the center position. You know, I, I don't really think at this point there's any – um, there's really any need for a player like Greg Monroe. You know, when he did enter the league with Detroit, he did have some really solid years, you know, in, in 12, 13, averaging 16 points, 10 assists per game, or 10 rebounds per game, three and a half assists. Like, this is a guy that used to have value in the league, but nowadays, at least, I just really don't see it with him. He doesn't really do, he doesn't really have a lot of desired skills now. You know, he's unathletic a slow defender so you can put him into a switch and then immediately uh take advantage of him score on him nearly every time uh his best scoring prowess is in the post but unfortunately he's not good enough as a post player to where you're willing to run post-ups for him he's not a good enough passer out of the post to where you're comfortable having him in that position because he could just be a turnover uh, and an easy fast break in his 14 games that he played this season you know, he, he put in about 14 minutes per game average, just on, just above five points, shot it decently efficient. But I think if you're a team and you're looking for a backup center, you're much more willing to give that option to a younger guy than a guy like Greg Monroe who can't really shoot. Uh, like, I guess he rebounds at a decently high level for someone of his size and position. But, you know, that, that spot can easily be filled by someone you'd much rather develop. He played for Minnesota, Washington, Milwaukee, and Utah this year. You know, all teams that were trying their best to win. But, unfortunately, I just don't really see it with him. So, I think the question of why is he still a free agent, at least in my opinion, is pretty easily answered. Uh, you know, his type of center just got phased out of the league. You know, him, Roy Hibbert. Larry Sanders, who retired for other reasons, but those types of guys, the um, the uh, post-up types of centers who don't really shoot it that well, don't really defend at a high level, uh, just, I mean, Jaleel Okafor even, those types of guys just don't quite move the needle for a team anymore, whether that's on, um, uh, whether that's on a contender or a rebuilder, those types of teams just or those types of players just don't just don't make it anymore unfortunately for him and uh you know Ron Hebert and guys like that you in this day and age you have to be at least mobile 
if you are going to be a center who can't shoot, you know, a mobile athletic, um, you know, with them, the new buzzword in the league, vertical spacing, you ha- you kind of have to have that if you are a non-shooter. So, you know, as an unathletic non-shooter, his game is more suitable for overseas at this point. And, you know, it's pretty clear to me why he's a free agent. I think he could definitely come back into the NBA on, you know, a couple 10 days, maybe even a two-way if he wants to play in the G League. But, you know, I I don't see him as an off-season type of move where teams are happy to have him coming into training camp unless that would be for a two-way. You know, like I said with uh, the Celtics uh, uh, earlier about Celtics and Kevin Durant, teams like to be complete by the end of the trade deadline, by the end of the buyout market, by the end of the contract extension deadline. So I don't think a team is really, um, you know, is really shaking their heads, wondering, uh, like, should we pick up Greg Monroe? I think this is a type of deal or a type of pickup where maybe your backup center or your third option center gets hurt for the entire year. And you just need a guy to fill in like 10 minutes per game at some point, just because one of your other guys got hurt. I don't see him as, you know, an off season, like this is the solution. Welcome to our team like type of signing. I just really don't see that happening. You know, there are other there are other centers available. You know, like Ennis Cantor who like, you know, Ennis Cantor isn't amazing, but I think he would even fulfill a role better than Craig Monroe would. So, you know, it's just not something I am that excited about. And it's also not something that I think is possible. <laughs> at this moment in time for him, which, you know, isn't great for him, but uh, I feel like that's just kind of the way it is with this guy at this point. So moving on to the next headline, this is a similar conversation to the Nets trade. This is kind of the Russell Westbrook situation with the Lakers. In my opinion, I feel like I'm maybe one of the only optimists left about Russell Westbrook. I mean, at least people are saying they're going like people are going as far as to say he's completely done. He'll never play another game in the NBA. I completely doubt that. I'm willing to bet a lot of money that he will play at least one more game in the league, whether or not that's for, you know, a different team than the Lakers. I think it's even possible that the Lakers don't end up trading him and he changes his role a little bit in, in with the Lakers and finds success. I mean, if Carmelo Anthony could do it, if Ray Allen can do it, I, I really do think that Russell Westbrook can do it as well. You know, he, he he's a non-shooter, so that kind of takes away some of the baseline for what he could be if he decides that he wants to transition into being a role player, which he should have been for a few years now anyways. Uh, I mean, I, he was pretty excellent with the Wizards, though. You know, I think we're not too far removed from a good version of Russell Westbrook. And that's why I do think that he could be willing to put his pride aside. Maybe he is a stubborn guy. Maybe he, he likes to do everything a certain way. But I think hopefully at some point he will realize, you know, he lost his agent over this. But I do hope at some point he will realize that the best thing for his legacy, for his career, and for his bank account is to continue his career as a role player. And so I think he could come back with the Lakers as Darvin Ham mentioned and take a different position, throw him in the dunker spot. You know, he's still an elite playmaker. He could, you, you could throw him in, in different situations. Uh, I mean, I feel like if you eliminate the mid range jumpers and the threes altogether and you throw him in as, as kind of a smaller Ben Simmons off the bench, 
you know, I, I think his days as a, as a valuable starter are pretty much over. But if you can throw him off the bench as, you know, one of the ultimate floor raises in the league, you throw him on, um, throw him in some of the lineups with guys who can't really create for themselves. You know, I think he could generate shots for some of their new shooters like Troy Brown Jr. Uh, you know, I think he could generate shots for Lonnie Walker because he still is somewhat of a solid paint scorer. I mean, I think his splits of the paint were pretty decent. And so I think it's all about really changing, one, his shot diet, and two, his minutes on the floor, who he's playing with. You know, I don't think he should be a closer at this point in time in his career. I don't think that he should be really playing with LeBron and Anthony Davis because he, at this point he does take away from what they do because of him demanding the ball. But if you do throw him in the dunker spot, you do turn him into – a play initiator rather than a play finisher. I, I I think there still is potential for him to be a decently valuable player, obviously not on this $44 million contract, but at the end of it, you know, I think we could be talking about Russell Westbrook uh, on like a minimum contract, potentially going to a different contender other than Lakers as a valuable player. You know, I could see him in a championship interview uh, similarly to Wiggins, obviously not on the same level as what Wiggins contributed in the finals, but, you know, I could see him in a post-championship interview asking him, what motivated you to turn your career around? Congratulations, you know, this and that. Uh, I do, I still do have hope out for Russell Westbrook, but moving on to the trade package, the most recent trade package that I've heard for him is Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. To be honest, if I'm the Lakers, I am doing this trade. I, you know, I, I was a fan of, the Lakers offseason to get Russell Westbrook last year, although I was a little more inclined for them to do this same kind of buddy heel trade anyways, just because I think LeBron and AD are enough star power. But, you know, I was more keen on the Westbrook deal just because I thought LeBron would be able to make it work. Like I've seen LeBron do it with the 2018 Cavs. You know, I didn't expect this team to be completely injured the entire year. And I didn't expect guys like Ariza, Bazemore to all just fall off the face of the earth. So, you know, I, I, I will admit that I was wrong about the Lakers offseason last year, but I do think at this point that they need to turn one player into two super valuable role players in Heald and Turner. You know, I, I think if you round out a starting lineup of LeBron, Anthony Davis, Buddy Heald, Miles Turner, and I mean, I don't even know who, like, who that next guy would be for them. Maybe Stanley Johnson, who knows, but like, I think that's a lot better than the bare bones roster they have now. Like this is really kind of the dark ages of, of the big three era um, in the NBA where you're throwing all of your money at three guys and then just trying to figure out the rest with minimum contracts because players reaching the end of their max contract want that extension, even though everybody knows it's not going to age well. You know, I, I, I think those days are still upon us. And unfortunately for the Lakers, they're in the middle of it. Now, I think Rob Palinka being unwilling to throw in another draft pick is is fine. For now, I you know, I get it that he doesn't want to be on the other end of this deal still with the team by the time it's 2027-29 when they have no draft picks and they're just absolutely terrible in a in a Brooklyn Nets situation, but you know, I do think a lot of teams are going to end up being in this position given the fact that teams like the Timberwolves, the Hawks have all done this same thing to Lakers now, you know, I, 
I think the situation, the Nets even, I think that, again, the situation is somewhat inevitable for them. And I really do think they're taking LeBron James and Anthony Davis for granted. Like, you have LeBron James, you know, what perhaps the greatest one of, if not the greatest player ever. Um, you know, he only has one more deal or one more year left on his contract. He would be leave, willing to leave the Lakers, you know, depending on where Bronny goes. But, you know, I just I just really do think they're taking him for granted. He still is one of the best players in the league, even though he's entering his age 37, 38 season in December. I, I think when you still have a top 10 guy, uh, you have to go for it. You know, like I said, with the Durant thing, with the uh, the Celtics thing, maximizing your window. This is not an extend your window type of deal. You you don't have the room to extend your window at this point. It really is all about maximizing it because you have two of the top 15 players in the league. You did win a championship. So you know this formula with them two can work. And so I really, you know, it's a, it's kind of a shame to see Palinka being hung up on this one pick, two pick thing in my opinion, because yes, you can transform that one and that one extra pick. Uh, best case scenario into more role players. So maybe that's why he's holding off on it. But if he's holding off on it just because he wants to actually make that selection in 2029, I would be pretty upset to hear that because like I said, he's taking LeBron James and Anthony Davis for granted. When you have these guys, you cannot afford to think about the future, at least at this point in the league where players values fluctuates all the time, where anything can happen you know, the, the Lakers have been extremely disappointing over the past two seasons. Palinka could honestly be fired anyways if he really does care about his job. So I would say that making a move like this could potentially save his job because Miles Turner is one of the best paint defenders. Uh, you know, he's an excellent shooter for uh, a role player center. And, and then obviously Buddy Heald is one of the greatest shooters of all time, even though he's, even though he's not really like a high value player, but Turner definitely provides a lot of super valuable stuff on um, uh, on the floor. And so does, so does Buddy Heald. And I'm surprised teams haven't made a trade for these two in the first place. You know, you look at the standings. If the, if the deal is really two unprotected first-round picks, if that's the icing price, like, I mean, you look at a bunch of contenders. If I'm the Celtics, I'm doing that. If I'm the Heat, I'm doing that. If I'm the Bucks, I'm doing that. If I'm the 76ers, I'm definitely doing that. Uh, you know, even just to keep him Miles Turner as a backup. But, uh, you know, he's going to be coming up on, on a different contract. But if you're trading away two first-rounders for this guy and you're a decent team, you're, like, a good franchise, good organization, who cares? Like, if he walks and you don't want to resign him, in my opinion, uh, if you want to really make a run, the Bulls should be looking into doing this. The Raptors should be looking into doing this. The Nets should be looking into doing this, although they don't really have any picks left. The Hawks should be looking to do this, you know, like um, – even even the Wizards, if they really like, if they really care about winning, I wouldn't be surprised if the Warriors would want to think about doing this. If the Grizzlies, uh, maybe not the Grizzlies, but the Suns, I was surprised didn't think about doing this in the sign and trade for Aiden. You know, I'm surprised they didn't end up doing a sign and trade that way. Uh, I mean, the Mavericks, I could see doing this. I could see them. I could see uh, the Pelicans maybe even doing this. The Clippers even doing this to get even even deeper. The Trailblazers should have no reason not to do this. The Kings should want to think about maybe going back and doing it uh, to get Buddy Heald back now that they're trying to win, I guess. 
but this these two players, in my opinion, are role players that I really value, and I'm surprised that this is the only return for them. So the fact that the Lakers are the only team in contention for these guys is surprising to me, and you know I would just jump on this deal in the first place. But the Lakers did make two signings that I was a fan of, uh, one being Jay Huff, and then second, um, second being Javante McCoy. You know, I just want to say shout out to him from uh, Boston University. We love our high academic uh, Patriot League slash Ivy League guys in the NBA. We always do. At this point, I think we're only at three of the Patriot League Ivy League guys being C.J. McCollum from Lehigh, uh, now Javante McCoy from Boston, and Devin Kennedy from Princeton, who unfortunately might not have much longer with the Magic. But, you know, I feel like... (laughs) As someone who appreciates high academic basketball, always got to give a shout out when one of them make their way to the league. So shout out to Javante McCoy. And I think we'll end the show on that. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. You know, uh, really appreciate it during the dog days of August. I mean, I feel like I'm just as guilty as all these articles trying to uh, scour up some, uh, some content. So, you know, thank you as always. See you guys.